you doing? I'm Pastor Obi. I'm so glad you joined us this evening for service. Welcome to church. We're starting a new series, which I call Expose on Efficient. And it is so, 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 uh, will I say an interesting episode in the Bible. And I'm so pumped, elated, chuffed, excited to bring this series with the help of the Holy Spirit to you because the book of Ephesians is one book in the Bible, as one of the epistles in the Bible that Paul wrote, not based on um, correcting one doctrinal error or addressing an issue that came up in one of his, the churches he planted. Rather, he wrote this epistle to unveil to the church, to unveil to the followers of Christ truly who they are in Christ, what they have in Christ, where they are in Christ, and the power, the inheritance that they have right now in Christ. This epistle is not just, uh, some theologians actually said that this epistle was not just written to the church in Ephesus, but rather it was written to a group of churches in and around Ephesus. And I agree with that because this is a prose written to the church, like the universal body of Christ. And he also highlighted this in the epistle. You know, he spoke to the church, not just a church in a gra- in a geographical location rather he spoke to the church as a church everywhere like i spoke to the church as the universal church so i am so elated that you joined us for this series but let me say this if you have never been curious about christianity if you've never asked now I'm a Christian, what next? If you've never wondered, after you got saved and you asked, is this all there is to Christianity? If you are tired of the norm, you are the one I am talking to this series. If you want to know more about Christianity, you are the one this race is made for. If you feel and sense there must be something more to Christianity beyond what you've seen so far, you are the one this race is made for. See, I've been born again since when I was like eight years old or thereabout. Got baptized when I was 10. And I lived my life just as a normal Christian. I took things on face value. I saw things for what it seemed I never knew that there was more to life until I had a right an encounter with God from this book of Ephesians and the book of Colossians. My eyes opened to deep mysteries. There's a prayer contained in this book that when I started praying, my life as a Christian totally changed. I realized that there was more to just being a follower of Christ. In fact, when I made this realization, I made this discovery, 
I actually stopped calling myself a Christian because Christianity is now associated with religiosity. People ask me my spiritual affiliation. I usually tell them I am a follower of Christ because my eyes opened up to hidden treasures. Paul called some of them mysteries and he decoded a lot of them from this in this epistle. And it is really, 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 really exciting. And I trust God that we will, by the help of the Holy Spirit, unveil these treasures, unveil this revelation that will change your life and mine. Now, before we take a deep dive into the study of Ephesians, I would want to play a video for you. And thanks to Bible Project, I mean, go check them out online. And thank you, Chris, for allowing me to use this footage. Now, it's like a summary of the book of Ephesians. And what we're going to do in this series is that we'll take one book at a time. There are six of them, six chapters. So we'll take one chapter, rather, at a time. So we might have, we might, de- by the help of the Holy Spirit, go through a chapter in two services. So we'll start with chapter one today. Um, by God's grace, completed on Tuesday. So, before we start another chapter, I'll also show you a clip, a summary from this Bible Project's video. And like I said, please go check them out online and you will be blessed. I have a lot of um, material that will help you in your Christian life and to better understand the Holy Scriptures. So please, join me as we watch this overview on Ephesians. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. The story of how Paul came to the city of Ephesus is really interesting. You can go read about it in Acts chapter 19. Ephesus was a huge city. It was the epicenter of worship for most of the Greek and Roman gods. And for over two years, Paul had a really effective missionary presence there and lots of people became followers of Jesus. Years later, after being imprisoned by the Romans, Paul wrote this letter. The movement of thought in the letter divides into two really clear halves. In the first half, Paul is exploring the story of the gospel, how all history came to its climax in Jesus and in his creation of this multi-ethnic community of his followers. The second half of the letter is linked to the first by the word, therefore. And here Paul explores how the gospel story should affect how we live every part of our life story personally, in our neighborhoods and communities, and in our families. So let's dive in and we can see how Paul develops all of this. Chapter 1 opens with a beautiful Jewish-style poem where Paul praises God the Father for the amazing things that he has done in Christ Jesus. From eternity past, the Father has purposed to choose and bless a covenant people. And think here, the family of Abraham and Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And through Jesus now, anyone can be adopted into that family. Jesus' death covers our worst sins, our worst failures, and in Jesus we find God's grace. In fact, Paul says, that grace has opened up a whole new way for us to understand every part of our lives. He says in chapter 1, verse 10, that God's purpose was to unify all things in heaven and on earth, under Christ, which is a title that means Messiah. God's plan was always to have a huge family of restored human beings who are unified in Jesus the Messiah. This divine purpose 
became clear, Paul says, when we were first made into that family. And here he's referring to ethnic Jews in the family of Abraham. But then Paul talks about how you, and here he means non-Jews, you all heard about Jesus and the salvation through him. And you were also brought into this family by the work of the Holy Spirit. And so here he's referring to the events told in the stories of Acts about how God's Spirit brought together Jew and non-Jew into one family in Jesus. It's just like God promised to Abraham long ago. Notice also how in this poem, Paul begins by talking about God the Father, but then about Jesus the Son, and then he here the end about the spirit. All three work together as Paul tells the story of the gospel. It's really cool. After the poem, Paul... Welcome back. Wasn't that awesome? <laughs> I know it was. It was awesome. Thank you again, Chris. So, Mike, Ephesus uh, was one of the cosmopolitan cities in the Roman Empire. And it is said it was next to Rome, you know, when it comes to that. In the ancient Roman Empire, they said about the time this... Um, book was written, this epistle was written to them. There are about 300,000 residents in Ephesus. Now, when you go back to Acts of the Apostles, we better understand the natural history of how that church came to be and was planted by Paul. And when you read Acts chapter 17, Paul came to Ephesus for the first time, had an encounter, and tried to debate with some of the Jews that he met somehow. He reached an impasse. He now told them that he was going to come back, even though they pleaded with him to stay back. So he left, but he came back soon after. So his second missionary journey to Ephesus, that was when he encountered 12 men that had been baptized by the baptism of John the Baptist. And Paul now told them about Christ and now baptized them in the name of Jesus in Acts chapter 18. And he took these 12 men to what's called Tyrannus, after he has tried debating with some other Jews and they argued and argued with him and all that. So he took them, he retreated, so to say, but he didn't retreat in defeat, rather he retreated to be strategize. So he took this 12 to the school of one called Tyrannus and he sat with them in that school. They were recorded for two years, within which the entire Asia Minor was reached for Jesus Christ by what sitting on the word. When he has laid a solid world foundation, something now happened. The Bible says that the power of God moved from Paul. That to the extent that men, women will come with a hanky placed on his body, take that same hanky to a sick man or a sick person and that person will be healed of his sickness. They'll take the hanky to somebody demon-possessed and the demons will immediately leave that vessel without anybody saying, come out. Just the hanky because the anointing that Paul carried was so much. So there was great demonstration of the power of God through the ministry of Paul. But remember, he laid the world foundation. What happened? An interesting story. I will please ask you to go read it in Acts chapter 18. Now, a group of seven men, the Bible said they were sons of a high priest called Sceva, seen the impact of Paul's ministry in Ephesus. Now, let me say this. Ephesus was a city well known for demonic activities. Why? One of the seven ancient, or rather one of the seven wonders of the ancient world 
was in that city of Ephesus, the temple of Artemis. Now, Artemis is the Greek word for Diana. So, Ephesus was known for the worship of this goddess. Is a fertility goddess. Well, she is a fertility goddess. You know, Ephesus was known for the worship of this goddess. So there was high demonic activity in that city. Now you will notice that Paul did not confront the demonic activity head on. He confronted it with an underground movement of the word of God. The Bible says that the word of God grew so much in Ephesus that many were converted to the extent that after this uh, incident with the sons of Kiva, Skiva, because uh, some of them went to, to exorcise you know, a madman, and they got there, they said to the madman, we adjure you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. You can see clearly right there that they did not have a revelation of this Jesus. Because if they did have a revelation of Jesus, they would not have referred to this Jesus through a conduit of Paul. They would have said, we adjure you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I can also say and draw inference from this that Paul possibly they were not even born again. So they saw a man use the name of Jesus. They wanted fame. Remember, this is a highly demonic city where demon activity is, you know, uh, prevalent. And you can see that the economy of that city was also built round about that temple. So being famous that you have this power to do this spiritual work will also increase not just your fame, but your relevance and, of course, your personal economy as well. So I suspect this is what they wanted. But they did not sit down with Paul in the school of one Tyrannus to catch the revelation which Paul thought. And I pray this prayer for everyone listening to this. The revelation of Jesus and who you are in Christ by the end of this series will be tattooed on the fleshy parts of your heart so that you can stand boldly and say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whose I am <laughs> and who I represent here on earth, be gone and devils will jump out before you. Devils will scamper and flee before you in fear. That is my prayer for you. At the end of this series, you boldly say that. And what did this man respond to them? He said, Help, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? And that was when the Bible says, One man, one man, one man held seven men. And undress them, beat them up and undress them. To tell you that this man was full of devils. The Bible says that when the story broke out, that men, <laughs> women, took their books of incantation, books of magic, out on the street and burnt them. That many followed the way, followed Christ because of that. And the gospel of Jesus Christ spread like wildfire, that in two years, the entire Asia Minor was won 
for God. How did Paul do this? He taught them. He unveiled the revelation of who they are in Christ, what they have in Christ, where they are in Christ, what they can do now in Christ. And I trust the Holy Spirit that in this series, all this revelation will be unveiled to you. Let's pray. Father, I ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you to be handed down to my listeners. I command the veil to tear. I ask for eye serves that they might see and see indeed, that they might hear and hear indeed. Father, I ask that you tattoo on the fleshy parts of their hearts this revelation, this truth of your word. Let them arise as giant Christians. Turn them, O Lord, to terrorists to the kingdom of darkness that will put Satan on the run. Let them arise, O Lord, as giants of faith that will turn around their circumstances and the circumstances of those around them, that they will become victorious and step into this life of victory that you've meant for us to have in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now we watch a lot of movies of superheroes, Superman, Wonder Woman and all that. Now, why are they called superheroes? Because they have superhuman abilities. In the book of Ephesians, this book is a book that shows that Christian the power, the power that we have at our disposal. Why? Because in this book of Ephesians, Paul also unveiled that there is a kingdom that is withstanding us. There is a kingdom that is in constant confrontation with us. That is why God has given us this superhuman ability to withstand this kingdom. So in this series, we unveil that kingdom. In this series, we unveil the power that you have, that you have to be able to stand against this kingdom. In this series, oh my God, I'm so excited. We're going to, you know, kind of, have some science lectures. We're going to look at quantum physics. We're going to look at uh, the, the concept of relativity as prescribed by Einstein because science is now catching up with some of the things that we are reading in this episode. Let me not jump the gun. Just make sure you join us throughout, throughout this entire series. Subscribe to our YouTube channels, like on our, on our Facebook page, you know, subscribe to all our podcasts, our podcasts on any of your podcast, your favorite podcast platform, and catch up and catch up. So the book of of uh, of Ephesians was written as one letter. The men, when compiling the Bible, divided these letters and the books of the Bible into chapters and verses. Why? For easy reference. So. We're going to look at this series chapter by chapter, but there are some concepts that we will need to draw from other chapters and from other books and other epistles. So understand that when we do that. So first, chapter one, this is where we start from. Hallelujah. 
In chapter 1, verse 1, Paul introduced himself as a servant of God and as an apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 2, he greeted the church, and this is usually a signature greeting of Paul. He greeted them by saying, Grace and peace be unto them. And this is also the same way he ended this epistle in chapter 6, verse 23 and 24. So, I'm going to show you nine things from this chapter 1 that God has blessed us with. Nine things that God has blessed us with. And that starts from verse 3. The Bible says in verse 3, Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavens. Note something from that verse. God is not going to bless you. God has already blessed you. He said, who has blessed us? So as a Christian right now, you have something. You have all blessings from God. God has blessed you in Christ Jesus Christ. And the blessings of God are yes and yes, as the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. The blessings, the promises of God, the Bible says all of these promises, all of these blessings are yes and yes, are yea and amen. That means that when God says he has blessed you, you best believe it. You are blessed. So quit praying, Father, bless me. That means you will not get answer to that prayer because the Bible also tells us that we pray and we don't receive because we ask and miss. So when you say, Lord, bless me, you are asking and miss because he had already blessed you. Jephthah, sorry, Jabez could pray that prayer. Father, bless me. Because at that time, he had not been blessed. But for us in the New Testament, Jesus has paid the price. So don't pray like Jephthah prayed. Saying, God, bless me. Bless me indeed. No, 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 no. Rather, say, Father, I thank you that you have blessed me indeed. And this is something you will notice in this throughout the book of Ephesians. Paul changed the way we should pray as a Christian. He gave us, not just in Ephesians, but throughout the epistles, he gave us a scheme of how to pray. If we know who we are, what we have, what we can do, where we are, the way you pray changes. If you know that God had blessed you, you don't pray to be blessed. You thank God because you are already blessed. Did you get that? <laughs> If you know you have been blessed, you don't pray, Father, bless me. You thank God for his blessings. You thank God for blessing you. Now, when you look at Pauline's prayers, in most of his prayers, I think about 50% of his prayers, he started it with, Father, I thank you for your blessings. I thank you for this, for that. Why? There is a knowledge he has that he is already blessed. And this is something you need to know. Number two, 
verse 4. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. The next thing that God has done for you is that he chose you. I want you to shout from the mountaintop, I am chosen. Hallelujah. You are indeed chosen. The Bible says you are God's elect. You are not going to be elected. You are already elected. Ah, listen to this. You do not vie for an election. You do not put up yourself for an election. You do not win the election. But God elected you. Not only did he elect you, he appointed you and made you a king and gave you a seat to sit on. You know, right now, there's a, there's a political power tussle in America. You know, Trump is refusing to relinquish power to the man that is supposed to have won the election. So Paul is alleging a lot of electoral fraud and all that. He is refusing to let go of power. These men vied for election. They spent millions upon millions to be elected by men into power. But for you, but for me, we did not vie for any election. We did not campaign. I don't know about you. I didn't campaign. I didn't put up posters. I didn't go do any Facebook message uh, ad or TV ad for my election. I was busy. What are we seeing? But God saw me and elected me. Glory be to God. He not only did elect me, I won the election. He has now raised me up with Christ. And I am seated in Christ. At the right hand of God. Hey, listen to this. The right hand of a king is the position of his power. That is why queens don't sit at the king's right hand. Queens sit on the king's left hand. Because anybody that sits on their right hand is sitting in the position of power. But guess where Jesus is sitting? The Bible says that the Bible, that God has raised him up far above principalities and power. And he sat at the right hand of God. When you go back to Ephesians chapter 2, I read verse 5 and 6. The Bible says that, hey, hey, that I, Pastor B, was raised up with Christ. And I am seated in Christ. Where? At the right hand of God. Far. Everybody say far. Far above principalities and power. This is where you are sat at. Oh. Call it down. Call it down. <laughs> Glory be to God. Holy Spirit, help me, help me. The book of Ephesians. Oh God, the book of Ephesians will change your life, will transform your life. So you were chosen without election. The Bible says, who can now lay any charge against God's elect? Hear you the word of the Lord. Nobody can lay any charge against you because you are God's elect. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, growing up on the streets in Lagos, in Nigeria, we used to play street football. <laughs> Hallelujah. And when we come out to play street football, we get two captains. And the captains will stand one on this side, one on the other side. Then the rest of the boys will go and group ourselves at one other corner. So Captain A will call this person's name. Hey, Dave, come into my team. And Dave will come. Captain B will call Shala. Come to my team and so now we'll go. And they will choose, choose, choose. Now their plan is to choose the best of the best 
So he, they will have in their team the best players and this will give them a better chance of winning that match. <laughs> glory be to God. In this time, oh glory, the Bible says God has elected us. God has chosen us and has put us in his team. Listen to this. God's team is the winning team. <laughs> that means God has chosen me and I belong to his team and his team is the winning team. In this team, we don't lose. In this team, we are not failures. In this team, the only thing we know is success, prosperity, health, forward movement, promotion. In God's team, if you truly believe and catch this tradition that you've been chosen, no more failures. You will not be associated with failures anymore. You will know that you belong to the winning team. In this team, we don't lose. In this team, it is not over till we win. Because we've been chosen and we belong to God's winning team. Hallelujah. Oh, glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory. I have a lot to say about this. Uh, oh, hallelujah. Holy Spirit, help me. Now, the third thing that Christ has done for us, see that in verse 5. The Bible says, Having predestined us to the adoption of sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, we have been predestined. That's the third thing Christ has done for us. Now, this subject of predestination is a bit confusing amongst uh, in the church, in the body of Christ and all that. It has been misinterpreted and we have not been rightly divided. Now, to put in a nutshell, people have said that when this predestination thing is usually mentioned, it is mentioned to let us know that there's some group of people that God, before they were born, before even the function of the world, we have been made and selected to be saved. Now, if that is true, that there are some people that God pre-selected that they will be saved, there are some people that God pre-selected that will be his sons and his daughters. That also means, I mean, following the line of thought and logic. There are some people pre-selected to be doomed. That's logic. So if there are some people that have been selected to be saved, it behoves us to also believe there are some people that have been pre-selected to be doomed. So if this theology is right, then God is not just. Because any theology you want to postulate and want to stand on must have parallel truths supporting it. Must cut across board. If some people have been preselected to be saved, and some people, even before we are born, we are ordained, baptized, ordained, anointed to fail or to be doomed, then it means that God is not a just God. And we know that is not true. We know that God is just. He, his character and his attributes is that of justice. I ran a series on erasing God where we went back and looked at God's character, attribute, and nature again, you will need to go to our podcast and listen to that entire series. When you listen to that entire series, your mind will also be transformed. To know that God is just, and a just God will not do that. So what then does predestination mean? Predestination means that 
everyone born here on earth have been predestined, have been called by God to serve Him. So when the Bible says that we have been predestinated, it's talking about every human being. Every human being have been called to salvation. But the question is, will every human being answer that call? Now, I know this happens to me, and I'm sure it has happened to you. There are some calls you will receive on your phone. You will silence the phone because you want to speak to that person. There's some people who will take it a step further. There are some people's numbers that they've blocked. You can also block them on Facebook. So they can't reach you, they can't call you, they can't get to you. So when that call came that you don't want to answer and you rejected it, did that person call you? Yes, he did. What happened is that you chose not to take the call. So the choice of salvation did not lie with God. It lies with him. So everyone on earth has been called, but a few picked their call. People call me, but I choose either to answer or not to take their call. That same way, God has called everyone on earth, but some of them have refused to answer the call. Some silence the call and say, I'll answer it later. Let me enjoy my life now. A lot of things going on around. I need to enjoy my life. Because they think answering the call to becoming a Christian will reduce their quality of life. That is also wrong. That is a subject for another day. Some, when your phone rang and they were called by God, blocked the number. They say, who is God? Are you sure he exists? I don't think he exists. You can call them atheists. You can call them agnostics. They blocked the number. Where did God call? Yes, he did. But they chose not to answer his call. He chose to. He chose not to rather. The Bible says in Ephesians 1 verse 11. In him we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. What then is God's will? Because if you know God's will, you will understand this predestination. The Bible says in John 3 verse 16, For God so loved the world, that is his will, that is the statement of his mission, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever will answer the call of Christ will not die, will not perish, but they will have eternal life. So God predestines us. The choice to choose Him is ours. So everybody is predestined. Everyone is called. That's what Jesus said. said many are called. Everybody has been called. But few chose to answer the call. God chose everyone. But His choice will not impact us till we accept his call, then we will, be, we will become his chosen. 
they will become his elect. His elect. And Jesus, in that same place in John chapter 3, because he was speaking to Nicodemus. In verse 14, verse 15, he says, See, and as Moses raised up the serpent in the wilderness, even so was the Son of Man being raised up. To be raised up. And he was raised up on the day of crucifixion. On a cross. On top of the hill Calvary. And it is so significant that the cross made the man spread his two arms. So it was Jesus on that cross paying the price, making the call to all humanity from an elevated standpoint on the hill called Calvary, on the rugged cross, calling the entire human beings, calling humanity to him with his arms. That's why Jesus could not have died during the Babylonian Empire. He needed to die when the Romans were in power. Why the Romans invented this crucifixion, this cruel way of killing men. So it was significant. The way Moses raised the serpent and everyone that looked on that brazen serpent to be saved. That same way, God has called you. God has called everyone. His eyes are stretched wide. He's calling you to him. He's asking you to come. The question is, will you answer the call? His arms are wide. Jesus' arms are wide. Calling you. Saying, come. 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 Take this call so you'll be chosen. So you escape death and damnation. That is coming on those that will reject this call. The question is, will you answer this call? Now, if you're listening to me and you've not answered this call, this is the time to answer the call. This is the time to say, Lord, I accept this call. This is the time to say, Lord, I pick up the phone of my heart to receive your call. All you need to say to say after me, Lord, just repeat after me, say, Lord, I know you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Change my life. Transform me. Now and forever. In Jesus' name. Amen. That's all it takes to answer the call. Now if you answer this call, please reach us. Reach us. We've got a lot of things that will help you along your way in this life. As you follow through with service to God, your life will not remain the same. Amen. I'm going to see you on Tuesday. Please join me on Tuesday at the same time and the same link. Either on Facebook or YouTube or just go straight to our website. We're going to continue this. The ninth thing that God has done. Nine things that God has done for us. Now, if you want to give an offering or so you see the pay of fight, I'm going to pay for you. Can I pray for this one? Can I give it from the heart of the Lord? I ask, as they give and as they sow the seed, I ask one prayer that this revelation of who they are, what they have, where they are, and what they can do in you, be infused into their heart and their mind. Let them rise up at the end of the series. Giants in your name. Make them, O oh Lord, 
giants that will terrorize the kingdom of darkness, that will take charge of your world and bring men to Christ. This is my prayer for you. For I have prayed in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'll see you on Tuesday. Go prosper. Go succeed. Go excel. Go and be that change that your community needs. Thank you.